The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Blog Talk Radio. Outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Man, it doesn't show Well, welcome to a snowy edition of Inside the Huddle. Uh, we are talking all Big Ten teams and bold destinations for IU uh, uh, for Indiana football. Uh, TJ, welcome in. Uh, hopefully, uh, the snow does not stick around that long. I do have to drive home after this, uh, but once I get home, it could snow all at once, and uh, maybe even get a snow day tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how much this is uh, supposed to go on, but I'm. I know, being from New York, you're used to uh, used to much more than than a light dusting. So I think you'll be okay. Yeah, after spending 18 months in Buffalo, um, I, I, I think I've seen enough snow. Um, but, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, TJ, we are talking all Big Ten teams. Uh, we'll be joined by uh, Nick Holmes here in a little bit. There were some surprising uh, people on the list or surprising people left off the list. Um, sure. Now, you know, we'll start with uh, with IU's players. They had a uh, program record 12 players. Um 12 players uh, listed as either first, second, um, or honorable mention on the all Big Ten teams. Uh, let's start uh, with the defensive uh, people. Um, first, they were announced on Monday. Uh, Griffin Oaks won the uh, back in Anderson kicker of the year. He's had a tremendous year. Uh, we, we brought this up time and time again. Uh, other people finally caught on. Um, but... Uh, you know, it's well-deserved. He had a lot of touchbacks. He was great in uh, field goal kicking. Um, so, yeah, a great honor for them. Uh, you know, some of the other IU uh, guys on defense got honorable mention. Uh, Darius Latham, uh, let's talk about him for a little bit. I think he had a down year. Um, you know, he only played in 10 games. He was suspended for two of the games. Uh, so, so what did you think about that? We'll start off with uh, TJ and then get to Nick. I, yeah, I mean, I echo your thoughts on Griffin Oaks. He was tremendous, uh, really, with the exception of one game. Um, I mean, he just very, very consistent. Um, and I kind of judge a kicker of a, a team that I root for by how comfortable am I when they line up to take a kick. And as the season moved on, I, I just became really, really comfortable anytime Griffin Oaks got out there onto the field, whether it was kickoffs, uh, where he was, I mean, far and away the, the best in the Big Ten at, at getting touchbacks and putting his team in good coverage situations uh, whenever they did have somebody returning on them. Um, and then, you know, when he was kicking as well, I was very comfortable he was going to knock it in and give Indiana points. And he did that pretty much all season. Uh, as far as Darius Latham goes, um, 
Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. Um, I don't think he had the year that uh, that we were hoping for. That being said, I think he did help anchor the interior of a defense that, for the most part, was pretty difficult to run up the middle against. Uh, I thought they did a pretty good job of uh, being solid through the middle uh, on run defense. I was a little disappointed he didn't provide more pressure uh, against the passer. It was pretty rare that he was able to break into the backfield and and get either tackles for loss or uh, pressures on the quarterback. Um, So that's the area there that I I was a little bit, uh, I I don't know if disappointed is the right word, but a little bit underwhelmed. by by his performance this year. I, I think next year, um, you know, we're not going to spend much time looking ahead until we actually have to, but I think it's going to be, uh, you know, that the middle of the defensive line, he's going to be the stalwart guy. He's going to be the veteran on there. Uh, you know, Green and Rayner are both going to be gone, so it's going to be up to Darius Latham along with some other guys. I mean, they're not going to be bereft of talent there, but he's going to be looked upon as the leader of that interior defensive line. So, you know, the suspensions, uh, they just have to be a thing of the past. He's got to be available um, for the entire season, you know, health permitting, and, and he's got to be a force every game. I don't think he was that this season, but I, I do think he played well enough to warrant a mention uh, on the honorable list. And, and then Nick Mangieri and Zach Shaw as well um, get on that honorable mention list as well. I'll let somebody else talk about them. Yeah, and to add on to to Latham, uh, he did have two block kicks against Rutgers, and and really, you know, his best game was Wake Forest. Um, uh, you know, I, I, Ralph Green will come back next year, I believe. Yep. Uh, there. So, um, Nick, let's uh, let's talk okay. uh, a little bit about Nick Mangier and Zach Shaw. They uh, flip flop positions in the off season, and both had, uh, uh, I I thought, tremendous seasons. Uh, Mangieri really came. Uh, came on, I think he finished with nine sacks. Uh, he played a tremendous game against Purdue uh, in the bucket game. And, and Zach Shaw as well, uh, you know, came on late in the season and got pressure on the quarterback and, and I, you know, had had a lot of tackles for a loss as well. Yeah, you said it. Um, you know, heading into this, well, a year ago, we were, you know, facing the, the future without Bobby Richardson. And so Coach Wilson said during spring practice, you know, not that um, Zach Shaw outplayed Nick Mangieri at the Bandit last year, but we believe that by getting the best 22 players on on defense, you know, out there as as often as possible, that moving Mangieri back to defensive end, like we've talked about a million times, which he played his first two years at IU at, um, that it just made more sense for the team, and it was it was a, for the most part it was a very seamless um, transition back to defensive end. Obviously, there's there's a difference between the 3-4 and the 4-3, which is not in the realm of our podcast. But he looked great all year. Like you mentioned, he came up big um, in the Purdue game, recording two sacks. Um, and the same with Shaw. You know, he made some big plays. Um, I can vividly remember him bringing a couple running backs down in the backfield for a loss of three or four. So that was just, um, you know, both of those guys will definitely be missed next year. It's It's – Obviously, we don't want to look too far ahead. Like you said, we still got another game to play, and they're both really deserving players, um, accolades. And I think more than anything, it's just encouraging, especially in Shaw's case. He was um, originally committed to Bill Lynch's coaching staff, 
And even after after Lynch was removed and Wilson was brought in, he stuck with it. And I think it's just great to see his development as a player, but now he's being rewarded with, with a bowl game in his final season at IU. So that's really exciting to see, too. And, and you mentioned Latham. Latham, yeah, I think overall – didn't have the season what uh, what we were kind of hoping for. You know, he came in with, with the four stars with a couple of other indie area prospects in his class, and obviously those two did not pan out. So I think expectations are so high for Latham that, um, you know, anything it seems less than a second or third team would, would be a disappointment. Obviously, he has, a, he has another year, one of the most um, physically gifted on the team um, at 6'5", I think around 305 in these you know, he's quite fleet of foot. So it'll be interesting to see, um, like you mentioned, TJ, the interior of the defensive line should be should be pretty strong next year with Green and Latham. And then it, I'd like to see Hoff get back into the mix. But, yeah, that's just about the guys who earn accolades. Definitely, definitely well-deserved. And it's just great to see that even though maybe defensively, statistically, this wasn't a great year for the uh, IU team, there were definitely some players who stood out, and they definitely uh, deserve what they got. Yeah, and, uh, you know, also in that is uh, return specialist uh, um, Mitchell Page. I, I know he's your guy, Nick. He's got mm-hmm. an honorable mention uh, behind Likely, Peppers, and Janarian Grant, which are three of the more dangerous uh, returners in the country. So he's in that elite group of returners. He had a tremendous season uh, returning punts. Uh, there were no turnovers on there. He returned two for touchdowns, and he was just did an all-around solid job of returning punts. So I don't want to leave uh, Mitchell out. But let's talk about s- some, you know, question marks. Either guys ranked too high uh, or snubs. I, I know uh, TJ, you mentioned uh, in your little snippets you sent me uh, how um, uh, uh, William Likely was first-team All-Big Ten defensive back. Uh, this is a guy who got torched, uh, you know, almost all year. He was the best player in that secondary, but that secondary was awful. And I, I believe he, he was the one guarding uh, Simi Cobbs most of the day when IU beat Maryland. So uh, are there any other uh, uh, snubs or guys uh, who are ranked too high, TJ? Yeah, I, likely it's the one that jumped off the page to me right away. Um, I I totally understand it as a return specialist, and he he got on there, I think, rightfully as the first-team return specialist. Um, I just – I'm not entirely sure uh, why he was listed as a, uh, a first-team defensive back. Um, I, he didn't have any interceptions, uh, not particularly adept at passes defensed either. Um, he's not a good tackler, you know, overall as a unit, the Maryland pass defense was poor. I didn't understand that one. So that definitely jumped out. Um, I think if you're looking for a guy to replace him, I think any of the guys that were on the second team, uh, should have been up there ahead of him. Nick Van Hoos from Northwestern, uh, Eli Apple, Von Bell from Ohio state, Michael Caputo from Wisconsin. Uh, I guess, if I was picking out one that I would I would put on there, it would have been uh, Von Bell from Ohio State. I thought he was a real standout for that defensive secondary. But um, so that jumped off the page. I was kind of surprised to see both uh, both Michigan corners get put on the first team. I thought Jordan Lewis um, was, 
definitely deserving as far as a cover corner goes. Jabril Peppers, uh, I I guess I was just surprised to see both of them make it when Michigan's defense kind of they didn't fall apart, but they did not have a very good last uh, last month of the season. Um, played one good game out of three or out of four really in the final month. Uh, so that was a little bit surprising. Um, I think that Carl Nassib was a very deserving uh, defensive player of the year. I was happy to see him get on there. Uh, and I, I, it won't be a real – just statistically, Joey Bosa did not have the year that many expected him to. Still an incredibly good football player. I think he is going to be really, really good in the NFL. Um, and one thing that you do have to recognize is that he drew a lot of attention from – you know, opposing offensive coaches and opposing offensive lines. You know, they schemed around him and were able to uh, not neutralize him, but were able to kind of block him out of some games. But that does open up things for his his teammates if he's got, you know, two or three guys focusing on him to keep him out of the play. So so I understood him getting on the first team, uh, even if he wasn't necessarily statistically deserving of it. Uh, one guy that I will point out um, that I think is, an, well, he's one of the best defensive players in the conference, obviously, but I think he'll be one of the best defensive players in the country next year. Uh, it's Anthony Walker at Northwestern, just a tremendous linebacker. I had a lot of fun watching him play this season, and uh, I, he's the anchor of a, a defense that really led Northwestern to a 10-2 record. They're nowhere close to that without uh, without him and, and that defense. So I'm very anxious to see them take on uh, likely an SEC team in a, a New Year's Day Bowl game. And Anthony Walker, I think, is going to be a really, really tremendous player next year. I think he's going to be the, the preseason uh, defensive player of the year in the conference. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing him continue to develop yeah, and and one guy I want to mention as a snub as well. I thought Marcus Oliver uh, deserved at least honorable mention as well. Yeah, uh, you know he had point. 103 mm-hmm. tackles. Uh, he forced. I, I think we he he had a hand in 10 turnovers, uh, and he was. I, I thought he was the heart and soul of Indiana's defense. Uh, at least when I was doing my game recaps, it seemed like every week it was him that was our player of the game. On defense, on the defensive side of the ball, and I know Indiana has the stigma of a bad defense, and it was a bad secondary that held back a, a, a solid front seven. So that was my yeah. sub snub. Uh, Nick, uh, do you have uh, a guy who's overrated and, and a snub, or a snub? You know, I mean, just to, just to point back to Joey Bosa, you made a really really good point, DJ, about people. Um, game scheming for him, but more importantly, just consider the level of talent that he went up against most weeks in the mm-hmm. Big Ten East. I mean, a lot of the guys in the Big Ten East across offensive line are, you know, first or second team or third team. So um, Conklin and Allen, and you had Spriggs and Feeney. So obviously he had a he had a pretty rough go at it too. But for the most part, I think you guys have have covered a lot of the the bigger names. Um, I you know, not surprisingly. All three Ohio State linebackers were first, second, and I first and second. Maybe one trickled down to the third team. So I think that just says a lot about, you know, obviously if, if you want a strong program, it definitely starts on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Um, we're going to move on to offense, guys, um, just uh, so we could get things going. And uh, we will touch upon um, 
uh, bold projections here in a little bit. Offense, I you know I did think there were a lot of stubs and guys mispositioned. Um, you yeah. know we'll start with Indiana players. I thought Nate Sudfeld was better than a third team quarter. Uh, thir- you know all all Big Ten third team. I know C.J. Beathard had a great year and Iowa had a great year and, and Connor Cook is is deserving of accolades as well. But Nate Sudfeld led the the, the league's best offense. He was the league's leading passer in yards per game, and I believe efficiency. I, I believe his final numbers were 25 touchdowns, four interceptions. Uh, so I think he was deserving of a better fate than, than third-team uh, quarterback there. Yeah, it's hard to argue. Um, I, I totally understand the, I guess, hesitancy to place him over uh, C.J. Beathard um, yeah. but if we're looking strictly at the player and the season that the player had, I think Nate Sudfeld did have a better season than C.J. Beathard. I don't think that can be argued. Um, so it really comes down to how somebody chooses to vote, and I understand if they want to reward C.J. Beathard as the offensive leader of an undefeated team that won a, mm-hmm. uh, the West Division. I, I understand that. Um if I'm voting, I look at what Nate Sudfeld accomplished, uh, both on the field and as the, like you said, the leader of the best offense, which is the reason Indiana is going to a bowl game. Um, and I, I think that that, at the very least, I think he deserved third team, and I, I, I would have put him second behind Connor Cook. Um, tremendous year as well. Again, statistically not quite Sudfeld, but considering the scheme that the two are in. Um, I think Connor Cook and the records that they ended up with, I think Cook deserved uh, deserved that first team. But, I, you know, one thing that really stood out to me um, when I, you know, you texted me that Jordan Howard had gotten, uh, had gotten first team because I was unable to watch the show when it was released. Uh, I, was, I was surprised that Jordan Howard got first team because, you know, I'm a big believer in that saying, you know, the most important ability is availability. Uh, and Jordan Howard, through no fault of his own, he just wasn't available for, you know, a chunk of Indiana's season uh, and not an insignificant chunk either. So I was surprised he got first team. But then when you – and we talked about it in the preseason when we were going through our, like, the, you know, opposing uh, running back series, there's really a lot of question marks at running back. There's a lot of talented players, but – when you take into account scheme, uh, health, all those things, it's it's not surprising necessarily that Jordan Howard still got first team despite the injuries. Uh, yeah, I think Justin and, Jackson – go ahead. Yeah, and and that's not to belittle his season. He had a great season, but he oh, did miss right, right. two and a – you know, I, I think how, how many games was it, two and a half or three, three and a half games? Um, well, Purdue, Rutgers – uh, Penn State, part of Ohio, Ohio State. State. So you know, and three and a half games, and Penn State. Yeah, Penn State. yeah so so That's three and a half. You know, he played nine, three and a half, but he had like almost twelve hundred yards. Uh, and the offense yeah. were, you know, they they ran the ball well the last two weeks, um, even against um, Maryland. Uh, with Divine Redding and them. So, you know, that's going to bring me to the offensive line. And this is where, right. you know, they, they have two 
if people don't know how, how the all Big Ten teams work, they have a media poll and a coaches poll. And in the media poll, um, they had uh, Dan Feeney as a first-teamer. In the uh, coaches poll, they had Dan Feeney as a second-teamer. And Jason Spriggs uh, made it as a second-team in both polls. I thought that um, both of them should have been first-team. I mean, this is a team that went up against Michigan and absolutely destroyed them in the run game. And you saw it. You saw the coaches tweeting out videos and vines uh, and all the social media of Dan Feeney running down the field like a, a, a freaking madman, just bowling people over like he's a dump truck. And uh, you know, and Jason Spriggs had been great all year, and you saw him take care of um, his guys. And, and I think those guys deserve more recognition uh, than they than they got. And and yeah, I'll get heated about it because you know. I, how are you watching these games and not going, hey, Jason Spriggs and Dan Feeney are the real deal? Yeah, and I just, I mean, that that kind of goes with my point of availability. I mean, Conklin and Allen, again, I'm not criticizing them for missing games. I'm just, it's a fact. They missed games. I think that counts for something. Um, so I, I'm not going to say that it shouldn't count against Jordan Howard and then turn around and say that it should count against, you know, Michigan State guys, I think it should count against any player that misses games because if you're not on the field helping your team, then, you know, I think that should be a factor in voting. It's it's not to say it should have played through the injuries or it's not to say, oh, well, uh, geez, they, you know, got hurt, you know, wussies. I, I'm not saying that at all, but I, I do think it should be a factor in the voting. Dan Feeney and Jason Sprague are available each and every week for Indiana, they rang the bell every week. Uh, I thought that there were one or two games where the offensive line struggled a little bit, but by and large, they were tremendous, and those two were the leaders of it. Conklin and Allen, uh, you know, Michigan State was not a good running team for much of this season, uh, and and those guys missed some games as well. So I, I didn't understand um, how, and particularly Conklin, because he has a tackle, and I know Allen's the center, so that's a little bit different. Um, I think Austin Blythe was the other, I think he was the second team center on both teams for Iowa. Um, yes. So I, I get that that's a the difference there for, for Jack Allen. But for Conklin, I, you know, he's a he's a tackle, so he's one of those linemen that's not a center. And I, I didn't understand, um, didn't understand what they were doing ahead of that. And I, I you know, while we're on the offense, I'll, you know, congratulate the Indiana players, uh, Cobbs and Michael Cooper. They got uh, honorable mention. Uh, Well-deserved for both of those guys. Cooper really came on at the end of the year. And uh, Simi Cobbs, I think, uh, in the second half of the season, really flashed his uh, his potential as we moved forward. Uh, he showed up big time, and I was very impressed with him last week when he injured his ankle uh, clearly was not 100%, but fought to get back onto the field and made a play for Indiana uh, in the second half of that game when, when it, he you know wouldn't have been blamed for, for sitting out the rest of that one. Uh, I thought that he really stepped up and um, made quite a big jump forward from his freshman to sophomore year. So congratulations to those two guys. Yeah, the, they, you know, um, Michael Cooper kind of went under the radar. He had a nice season for uh, IU at tight end. Um, and I think uh, people recognize that, and, and I'm glad they did because uh, IU had kind of an identity crisis at tight end when Danny Friend went down, and, and that's where you see Brandon Knight 
um, who has uh, got some freshman um, All-Big Ten awards uh, as well as an honorable mention, you know, switched over and helped them there. But Michael Cooper down um, as the season went down the stretch, became a real uh, weapon in the passing game. Uh, he picked up a couple touchdowns. He did have a weird statistical game at Maryland where he had negative yardage, but he did have a touchdown. Um, so yeah, kudos to them. Uh, and we'll get into um, our bowl picks uh, or bowl projections. Uh, if you don't have anything to add, Nick. You know, I, I, you know, I made a great point about, you know, Cobbs. I think the first article I ever wrote for you, Sammy was, um, you know, I was pointing out, you know, these are the wide receivers we got going forward. And I think everyone could see coming out of his freshman year that, that Cobbs was the most physically athletically gifted of the bunch. And like you said, over the last half of the season, he really proved what he's capable of. Obviously, there were still some hiccups with with some drops at inopportune times. But as long as he keeps cleaning that stuff up, I think we'd all agree that the sky is ultimately the limit for Simi because he definitely possesses what you would look for at the next level. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm just looking at some of these honorable mentions as well. Uh, Braxton Miller, he did nothing. He had a great spin move in the first game, but come on. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, they are, are, and that's in the media poll. I mean, are these, and it's in the coaches poll as well. I, I get he, he might've been a presence in the locker room, but guys, are you just voting for him because he's for Ohio state? I, I, I mean, come on. Um, but anyway, let's get to, to bull projections. I'll get off my soapbox. Uh, TJ, you wrote earlier that, um, you know, uh, there's a pecking order for the bowls. I think how it works, uh, if you go to uh, BTN, uh, the Big Ten Championship game, um, there's a bowl procedure. Um, There are different tiers. Uh, It goes, you know, the college football playoff, um, which I think this year the Fiesta and or is it the orange and sugar bowls? And then there's the Fiesta bowl as well is going to be tied into the new year six. Um, but it goes, you know, Rose bowl, orange bowl. Uh, then there's, you know, Outback bowl in Tampa holiday bowl, uh, music city bowl, pinstripe bowl, foster farms bowl, quick lane bowl, and the armed forces bowl. Um, there's, uh, if, if you want to get into details, there are different, um, procedures on picking the team. Uh, but it looks uh, to me like I, I've heard a lot of rumors about um, the pinstripe bowl. Uh, bowls will be announced on December 6th after uh, the championship games weekends. Uh, Nick, let's get your, your bowl projection uh, first. Yeah. I mean, like you said, like I said on Sunday, I have a feeling that it's going to be the pinstripe bowl, just, you know, based on procedures and they can't take Penn state again. Who I see them playing. Um, today I saw a projection that it might be a Pittsburgh. Obviously, you know, that's it's a great ACC school. doesn't have quite the national recognition of maybe, or at least currently of a Miami, even though Miami's not really been Miami for a while. But uh, it's going to be someone out of the ACC. Um, I'm still hoping for Virginia Tech. But, yeah, I have a feeling it's going to be uh, the Pinstar Bowl. Yeah. Um, you know, and something else that goes into it as well is, you know, how many Big Ten teams do get into the New York Six? And if, mm-hmm. uh, you know, let's say Iowa makes a playoff uh, or Michigan State makes a playoff, everybody gets bumped up uh, a bunch. Um, so I'm going to say uh, Pinstripe Bowl as well. I wouldn't roll out, rule out the Holiday Bowl or the Foster Farms Bowl um, just because uh, I, I think the Pinstripe Bowl picks before the Foster Farms Bowl. 
and they do have to get eight different um, Big Ten teams in there in 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 ten years. So uh, you know, IU has a great alumni base in New York City. I think people would travel to New York for the holidays, and that would be a, a pretty much a lock pick for the Pinstripe Bowl. Um, man, the Holiday Bowl would be awesome in San Diego. Uh, it'd be nice and warm. So, you know, um, we'll see how many Big Ten teams get into New York Six. Uh, TJ, what are uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I I think the most likely scenario is definitely the Pinstripe Bowl. Um, in our bowl projection uh, piece that I, I sent in to you, that's a devil's advocate. I I, I, cause I knew which way you guys were leaning, and I, I agree with you, but I, I put the Foster Farms Bowl – um, against UCLA, which I thought that was a low slot for them, but that's where I've seen them projected in four or five different projections. I, I thought that was a pretty low slot for the Bruins, but that's that's what it had, and that would be a pretty tall task for Indiana um, to take on UCLA. But it would be it'd be fun. It'd be a, a game in Santa Clara, so uh, definitely a good stadium and probably some good weather. It would look great on TV as long as UCLA didn't wear their hideous black uniforms, <laughs> and uh, that that'd be fun. But I, I do, if if I were saying yes, it's going to be this, I would say it's the Pinstripe Bowl, and I would predict that they're going to play Miami, um, and I'd be I'd be pumped about that. I mean, that would be a that'd be a cool game. I don't know how Jack Miami would be for it. They're you know they're just waiting to see who they end up hiring as their Next head coach, but uh, it's always. I think they hired uh, Mark Rick. Oh, they did. They made that official. Yeah, that was uh, officially this afternoon. Wow. They hired Mike Mark Rick, um, so wow. you know he could lose big ACC games now. Um, <laughs> yeah, he could. He could, but hey, he's an alum of Miami, so that makes a lot of sense for them. Um, so I imagine that their fan base is somewhat excited about that move. So maybe they'll. Uh, you know, they'll be ready for that, and the players will be uh, trying to impress their new coach because they'll know he'll be watching. And um, that'll be I, – I think if that is the matchup, it's a good opportunity for Indiana to play a name school that uh, would be more talented than them, but they would not be an overwhelming advantage for Miami. That would be an interesting game. And you're right about the, the slot in the uh, – how it shakes out with the New Year's Day Six Bowls. Um, I think there is a scenario for sure. Let's say the Big Ten title or the yeah the Big Ten title game is competitive, and we'll say Michigan State wins. Michigan State being the top four, I think Iowa would still be in a New Year's Six Bowl uh, as long as they don't get blown out. So we'll say that they get slotted in as an at-large team, like the uh, I don't depend on who's the higher-ranked team between Ohio State and Iowa that goes to the Rose Bowl. So let's say Ohio State moves up to five. They go to the Rose Bowl. Iowa's at like seven maybe. And they, I think, would get slotted in to like the Fiesta. Um, yeah, I think it's either the or, Fiesta or the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, yeah. so they get slotted into one of those. So if all three of them make it, yeah, you're, you're maybe looking at Indiana jumping up into the Holiday Bowl or into Nashville uh, the Music City Bowl. You know, there's good memories associated with the program and the Holiday Bowl. That's that's one that uh, one of the few bowls Indiana has been to before, so that's cool. Uh, yeah, I I think that I think that any of the realistic possibilities are good. Um, Indiana is definitely not going to be slotted in in Detroit. So that was the one that we're all kind of like, eh, and I, yeah. I don't think so, so, that is a um, 
our condolences to Alex McCarthy for that. I know he was pumped to go to Detroit, yeah. um, but he was the only one. Um, right, and, and that's not going to happen. So yep. I think I think we're out of the woods there, and I think any of the other possibilities that have been talked about <laughs> would be would be I I'd be thrilled with with any of them. And um, but I, now it's the the pinstripe bowl for our our listeners. That is on December twenty sixth. Is that correct? Yep, December twenty sixth. It's at three thirty. I believe it's on ABC. Um, it's at Yankee Stadium. It'd be very cool for me to go home, uh, work in the press box at Yankee Stadium. Um, but uh, you know, may, maybe uh, we'll get to go to San Diego. Anyway, guys, uh, we are out of time. I I do appreciate you guys coming on on uh, just talk bowl projections and football. Uh, we'll be back. Um, Sometime next week, maybe. Uh, well, definitely. We'll talk bowl matchup uh, yep. where IU gets slotted. Uh, it should be announced yep. on Sunday, uh, December 6th, and we'll see. Uh, guys, thanks for joining me, and uh, have a great night. Stay safe. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. And I, I know that we'll have, uh, well, I think next week we can talk about all the Big Ten teams um, and kind of assess where the conference what we think it's going to look like as it comes out, because that does have somewhat of an impact on recruiting, and hopefully we'll have a couple of commits by next week's show. We'll see. So thanks, yep. everybody, for listening. Have a good week, guys. Yep. All right. Thanks for tuning in to Inside the Huddle, uh, Hoosier Huddle's podcast. Uh, we are sponsored by D'Angelo's uh, Family Italian Eatery in Bloomington. Uh, it's great food, uh, casual atmosphere. Uh, so head down there if you haven't been there. I love their chicken parm. Uh, Anyway, we'll be back. Thanks for joining us. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And 
Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash match. Just go to indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.